Get your Bible out. Remain standing. Turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 39. We're in week number two of a series called Plot Twist. Plot Twist. It's the life of Joseph. We're looking at his story. An amazing story of how God directs somebody. And when things go bad, things get difficult, how God continues to be faithful even through all of that. I want to start reading with verse number one of chapter 39. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. <clears throat> this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what, he, what kind of food to eat. Joseph was very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Some of the men, all the, soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, Please help me because I need you, but help all of us because we all need you to hear what you want to say, that we choose what's right, that we do what's right, even when it's hard, and then leave the results with you, which is always a safe place to be, and I pray this in your name, be it done, and everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> The definition of success has been given many ways over the years as I've read leadership books and 
heard people's thoughts. But what we do know from the life of Joseph is that success is being with the Lord. It's doing what he would want you to do and obeying him. In verse two, it says that the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. Without God, you can't succeed. You may have perceived success. You may have ideals of success on worldly terms, but without God, you can't succeed. And in God's kingdom, success looks different than the world kingdom. The way the world views success and the way the kingdom of God views success is going to many times be starkly different. But here's what we know. Successful people in God's kingdom, they realize that they are defined by the promises of God, not by their problems in life. Did you get that? It's the promises of God that shape them, not the problems in life. Because they know that what God says about them is greater than anything that comes against them. Also successful people in God's kingdom, they let their decisions be driven by God-given dreams and goals, not by their personal feelings. They don't allow the feeling in their gut to make their decision. They allow faith in God to make their decisions. They rest not on their plan, but God's plan. Successful people in God's kingdom, they know that when nothing seems to change or when things seem to get worse, they rely on God's purpose without panic. In other words, when you've done the right thing and you do it again and things aren't turning around, you don't throw in the towel because you know God is on his throne and it's a matter of time. How many watched the movie Finding Nemo? And Dory swimming around saying what? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Her mantra, we just gotta keep doing the right thing. We just gotta keep obeying God. We just can't keep following his game plan because it will turn around. And if we could bring Joseph back, what would he say to us? When I read scriptures all the time, I like wonder, what would they say to me now? What would they say to us now? If they could tell us one sentence, two sentences, what would that be? And I jotted a couple of things down. And first is, is that the Lord, Joseph would say this, the Lord was with him and he prospered because he did the right things. Have you ever done the right thing and it cost you? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, hands raised. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I think hands are going up all over the place. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> we, we've, we've all had that moment where we debated, we did the right thing, and it seemed to cost us. We seem to get the short end of the stick. Happens to everybody. Have you ever had a moment where you did not do the right thing because you were afraid it was going to cost you? Show of hands, anybody? I have. There's some honest people in the building. Every one of us have at some point, at some time, not done the right thing because we were afraid it was going to cost us. 
Genesis chapter number four dives into the first conflict between two individuals. It's Cain and Abel. And I've struggled with this passage over the years because Cain is bringing his sacrifice unto God and Abel's bringing his sacrifice and Abel's is accepted by God, but Cain's is not accepted by God. Now, I, I can break down you know, the type of sacrifices, all of those things, and we can debate that. But the Bible says it was in the process of time that this all took place. Because I believe that God is never a God that, because he is slow to anger and filled with compassion. It's not that you make one mistake and he just simply jumps on you. No, no, no. It's oftentimes because we have failed to do the right thing again and again and again and again and again. And eventually God says, you know what? I don't want you to keep going that way. I'm going to turn you around. And he may have to bring pain and suffering in our life to get our attention. But Cain knew the right thing to do and did not do it. And he turned on his brother. I have found that a lot of our problems with our fellow man is not because of them, but it's because of in here what's going on. In a relationship with God that needs to be settled. In chapter four, verse seven, it says, God says this to Cain. He said, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Then God goes ahead and it says, sin is crouching at your door ready to pounce on you. He gives this imagery that you find in the New Testament of a lion that goes about as a, the devil goes about as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Literally a physical lion in the thicket ready to jump out on its prey. And he's saying, if you do not do the right thing, eventually you're going to feel the pain of your choices. You're going to feel the pain of those decisions that were not in line with God's plan for your life. You see, the blessing of God is not luck. Pastor Clint did a great job with that last week. It's not like winning the lottery that you just buy a ticket and happily, maybe, oh, I, I won the lottery. No, no, no. It comes through obedience. Jesus said this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That word righteousness is right living, is right ways. It's doing, aligning yourselves to the things of God. And when you align yourselves to the things of God and do what he wants you to do, he said everything else will fall into place. You worry about your homes, you worry about your property, you worry about food on your table, you worry about clothes, do the right thing. Obey me and everything else. In 2022, I call upon you right now to just do the right thing. Stop fretting and worrying over everything that you can't control and just do what God would ask you to do and obey him and everything will fall into place. The brother of Jesus made this statement. He said, if you know the right thing that you should do and not do it, to you it is evil. To you it is sin. So it's about doing the right thing and Joseph did the right thing again and again. Joseph did the right thing regardless of what others did to him. He did the right thing regardless of what others were doing. I, I don't know about you, but I have this struggle. When I go to a, any store, anywhere, and I see trash on the ground, I just got to pick it up. Anybody like that? You got a few people? I don't know why it is. I don't know. I just, and it's not just at our church. It's not just, you know, you know at our home and our, the property that Shannon and I live on, it's like when I go to a store and I see trash, I'm walking in, I just pick it up, put it in, put it in the trash. 
It's not about whether other people are doing the right thing or not. I just know that I've got to do the right thing. I've got to do what's right for me. And Joseph did the right thing even when others treated him horribly wrong. His own brothers turned on him. Treated him in ways that it's unimaginable. Selling him off like a slave. But Joseph decided a long time ago that he was going to do what's right. No matter if anybody else did what was right. And you find later on in the story, and we'll get there a little bit later in the weeks to come, <clears throat> that when he was finally confronted with the opportunity to return evil for evil, he chose not to do that. He returned good for evil because he was going to do what God wanted him to do, not what man said he should be doing. You see, Joseph was the top and shadow of what would come in Jesus Christ. A top and shadow is an Old Testament it's a sneak preview of what actually is going to be the real deal to come down the road. And Joseph made choices that even when he was mistreated, he did right. And that Messiah would be Jesus Christ himself, who literally on a cross, when he is being killed, he would look up to his heavenly father. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. He chose not to return evil for evil, but good for evil. You see, Joseph also did the right things in spite of his circumstances. You see, the average Jane or the average Joe allows the circumstances of life to begin to direct their emotions in life. And they rise and they fall based upon events and situations and things that are going on around them. But the person who's a follower of Jesus Christ is no average Jane and no average Joe. The person who's a follower of Jesus Christ has the spirit of living God living inside of you. And you're not directed by your feelings that are fickle and that are fleeting and that are fading, but you are directed by the power of the Holy Spirit and you're walking in faith grounded on the word of God. And so whatever comes, whatever happens, it's all okay. My emotions don't have to swing back and forth. I'm walking with Jesus. It's kind of like going up as a farm, planting that seed. If you just look at a seed, you're not a farmer. You don't know what's going on. You haven't seen this tested and true. You take that seed and you put it in the ground and you stomp on it and cover it up. It makes no sense what's going to happen with that. But you know that over time that it's going to produce the harvest. Over time, it may take a little longer at times. It, may, it depends on the rain, depends on the weather, depends on the conditions. But you know if you plant that seed, eventually something is going to come up. And it's the same way with doing right. If you keep planting the seed, eventually you're going to have something good come out of it. Keep obeying God. Keep trusting him. You see, it's so hard because sometimes we look and we like, I made the right decision, pastor. I did the right thing. And then you just give up on God. I, I've talked to many people like that. But it's about patience. It's about perspective. So sometimes we just give up. Don't give up just before the miracle. Don't give up just before the great thing happens. Keep doing what God's. Don't throw in the towel just yet. And it's about perspective. Sometimes we do something and we want a certain return like we want that. And if it doesn't happen the way we want it, we give up. No, 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 no. No, you got to look through the lens of the Holy Spirit. You got to look through the lens of God. You got to see from his perspective, not your perspective. It's not about you getting the way you want, the way you want it, and the time and you want it. It's about obeying God and trusting him with the results. That's what it's about. In 1 Peter chapter number 3, Peter, the one who's now the head of the church that Jesus gave the power, he said, even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. 
But some of us, I think, to take the approach of the guy read about that uh, sent in a letter to the IRS. <clears throat> and he sent in this letter, and in the letter it just says, Dear IRS, um, I have not been able to sleep very well since the last tax season when I did my reporting. I purposely misrepresented my numbers, and I'm enclosing a check for $150. And at the very end, it said, and if I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest of the money. <laughs> and I think, I think some of us do God that way. Like, okay, I'm going to do a little bit right and expect some change. And God says, no, 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 you obey me completely, fully, fully. Joseph did what was right when he was faced with temptation. Oscar Wilde, playwriter, Irish playwriter from the 1800s and poet said this. He said, I can resist everything except temptation. He continues on. He says, the only way I can resist temptation is by giving into it. The big four temptations are looks, money, power, and fame. And from what you can find in the life of Joseph, he had all of those. But Joseph did not choose to feed the monster. He chose to feed not the beast inside of him, but he chose to rest upon the power of the Holy Spirit inside of him. And there's reasons why Joseph didn't concede. And there's reasons why you and I do concede to temptation that happened in our life. First off, that he valued the relationships in his life. A lot of times we don't give, he did not give in to temptation because he valued those relationships more than the feeling of the moment, more than the choice of the moment, more than the gratitude of what he could have right then. And those relationships were first a relationship with God. Did you hear what he said in the text? He said, how can I do this great sin against God? He valued his vertical relationship with God more than satisfying his gratification in the moment. It's about God. He wanted to be in right connection with him, so he made right choices, but also his horizontal relationships. Did you hear what he said in the text? He said, and you know what? You don't belong to me. You belong to Potiphar. You're not my wife. So he valued his horizontal relationships. And it is amazing how things begin to happen right in your life when you get your vertical relationship with God, then your horizontal relationships with people begin to work out. If you're here and you're struggling with your horizontal relationships, work on your vertical relationship with God. And then out of your vertical relationship with God will begin to flow your horizontal relationships with man. Another thing about Joseph, he set the appropriate boundaries in his life. And if, you gotta do the, if you're going to do the right thing, you've got to set some boundaries. Did you notice when the temptation came his way, it said in the text that he avoided her as much as he possibly could? Come on, when you throw yourself in the line of temptation, you're going to eventually give in to temptation. But when you avoid it and set the right boundaries, you can guard yourself against it. And here he is guarding himself against the temptation that is coming his way every can, the best he can. I, I use the illustration like this quite often. It's like, you know, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. Same with temptation. You can't stop them from coming, but you can stop a bird from building a nest on top of your head. No, no. The moment you begin to dwell on, begin to think on, begin to take in. That's why the Bible says to take captive your thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. You do the right thing. Oh, somebody help me preach today. I got a couple of people helping me. I hope you're helping me in Guthrie, Lexington, Freedom House. Let me tell you something. 
He set boundaries. But sometimes even the best of boundaries cannot keep you from having to make a decision. And when you're faced with temptation, you also sometimes just gotta run. And he ran. He ran. In the New Testament, in Corinthians, it says, flee immorality. Flee those things that are taken. Literally get yourself, and if you have to, run. Why is it that we sometimes don't run? One, because of pleasure. We actually stay in the situation because we're enjoying the temptation. We're enjoying the possibility or we eventually give into that temptation because of the pleasure. Then also because of pride. Sometimes we hang around because we feel like, oh, I'm man enough, I can handle it, I'm woman enough, I can deal with it, I can handle it. And you can't. You flirt with sin, sin will bite you. You hang out with it, it'll eventually get you. You gotta run from it and realizing that you can't do it yourself, you need God. And sometimes God gives you a way of escape and sometimes that way is running from it. Run, run, run from it. Which brings me to another thought that I think Joseph would say to us if he were here right now. The first one is he prospered and stuff because he did the right thing. But the second one is when doing the right thing costs you, Joseph would say, you'll be devastated. When doing the right thing costs you, you'll be devastated. I put a comma there because it's not meant to stop. Some of you are devastated. You've done some right things and you've been devastated because you have, you've stopped right there. Joseph was wrongly accused. Joseph was done horribly bad. And doing the right thing would have devastated him unless, 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 look at the person next to you and say, unless. Unless. Unless what? Unless you know the robe is only a symbol of God's blessing. Mm. You gotta realize this, that that which is on you is not the real issue. It's what's in you. I, I've got, in college, I got a degree in biochemistry. And I've got that diploma. And it's in a nice frame. It looks all beautiful and incredible. And it used to hang on a wall somewhere. And now it's in an attic somewhere. Anybody got those things? In one of those moves, it just ended up in a box in an attic. Like, you know, just like, it's just, it's just a piece of paper. That piece of paper doesn't make me. It says something about some accomplishments in my life. Rodney Fouts, Oklahoma State University, Bachelor of Science degree in biochemistry. It speaks to some event that happened in my life. But that paper does not speak of who I am. That paper does not even tell all about me. Because my real experiences didn't come from a piece of paper. It came from classrooms. It came from relationships. It came from circumstances I had to deal with in college, learning how to study, learning how to get answers, learning how to work through life issues. It taught me a lot. But there wasn't at the paper. The paper is just a symbol. It's only a symbol. It's not really everything. Also, He's saying, when doing the right thing costs you, you'll be devastated unless you know the robe does not give you your significance. So it's only a symbol, and it doesn't give me significance. 
You see, because it wasn't about the coat. Give me a coat. Give me a coat. Give me a coat. Joseph would say, it's not about the coat on you, but it's about the character in you. It's not about the robe that's about you. It's about right living inside of you. It's about doing the things that you should be doing in spite of the circumstances in your life. Kyle, come up here. Come on up here. You weren't asked to do this, were you? You better be ready when you show up in this church. No, don't, don't put your hands in it. Just right there. Nice coat there you got. Nice robe. Kind of warm. Yeah. You know what? Looks good on you. But it can be stripped from you. It can be taken from you. And Kyle, I know some of your struggles in life. I've been with you through some dark times in life. Even when you did the right thing, and when you did the right thing, it didn't turn out the right way that you had hoped it would happen. You've been through a lot of difficult issues. But what you gotta realize in those moments that it's not about what I'm wearing, but it's about who's inside me. It's about my identity with Christ Jesus. And Joseph would tell us that because Joseph understood that it's a whole lot more than what's on the outside because his dad said that he was my favorite kid. Of all those kids, he's my favorite. And I'm gonna give him a coat of many colors. And the moment that he got that blessing, you know what, people began to get jealous of the blessing and begin to turn on him because what will happen is the moment that you begin to receive the blessings of God or you get those things, other people will begin to get jealous of you and want what you have. And all of a sudden, he has this coat and people begin to turn on him. And one day, it's stripped from him. And he's thrown in a pit by none other than his brothers, the ones that should care the most about him throws him in a pit. They consider killing him. And one of them brings some reason to it and said, hey, he's our brother. Why would we kill him? Why don't we sell him to get some money out of him and sell him off? And they sell him off to Potiphar and I mean, sell him off to some Israelite traders and then they take him off to another country where he does not even know the language. His coat was stripped from him. And you know what? He would have been devastated. Life would have not been worth living. I might as well give up completely on God unless he knows that it's not about the robe on the outside. It's not about the coat that I'm wearing. It's about Christ in me that matters. And so he's sold off into slavery. He goes to Potiphar's house. He begins to climb, climb the slave trade ladder immediately. And he begins to go up in the, in the, on the level. And he becomes the head guy over all of Potiphar's property and household and everything he has. And the robe is put back on him because the Lord was with him. And he's successful, not because of what's on him, but because who's in him, who's living inside of him. And so everywhere he goes, he's taking God with him. 
He might not have taken that robe to Potiphar's house because that robe was left in the hands of his brothers who would lie about him. But he took God with him. What man stripped away, God says, there's some things man can't strip away. I'm Emmanuel, I'm God with you, and you can't strip me away. When I'm inside of you, you cannot take that away. And here he is in Potiphar's house, and he rises to the top, the robe is back on him, and then Potiphar's wife lies about him. He was doing the right thing again and again. He was, he was even doing the right thing for the right person. And that person throws him in jail because he believed his wife over him. And the robe is stripped from him again. And now he's in prison. But guess who's with him? The Lord is with him. Go, go read it. Go read it. I don't have time to read all that stuff. The Lord was with him in prison, and he began to rise up the ladder in the prison again. And it's very, I mean, it wasn't long before he was at the top of the, of the prison. And you know what? No one wants to be in the prison, but if you're going to be in the prison, you might as well be at the top of the ladder, right? Here he is in the prison. And the warden says, I want to put you in charge of everything because you're good, and the Lord is with you, and the Lord's hand's on you. And guess what? He's in prison. He is interpreting dreams of other people, and they're getting out of prison, and they're going on to live a life. And one of them he interprets and he says, hey, remember me when you get out. And he forgets about him. Come on, can anything go right in his life? He's doing the right thing, but nothing's going right. The robe is stripped again. Just stripped again because of disappointment. Stripped again because somebody forgot about him. Stripped again. You know what? Despair is the number one killer of most people's dreams in life. But you know what? Joseph refused to allow despair to take the dream that God placed inside of him away. He hung on to the dream that God had put inside of him. Oh. Eventually, two years later, he remembers him. When it was his, to his advantage, he remembers him. Pharaoh, the man that's the most powerful man on the face of the planet, has this dream he cannot interpret, and he remembers a guy in jail that could interpret dreams. He calls him to Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh hears Joseph interpret that dream for him. And Joseph went from being a prisoner to the prince of Egypt overnight. Do you realize that's how God works? You can be without, and then all of a sudden, God says, nope, 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 this is what I have for him. And he goes from being in the prison to the prince of all Egypt overnight. That's like my God. That's like my God because God had a plan to get him there because he had a plan because he knew this devastating famine that was gonna happen would actually probably cost the lives of his brothers that are over in Canaan. But God gets them from Canaan, gets them back over connected with Joseph so that he could sustain and he could keep the line of the Messiah all the way to Jesus ready so that we could experience the salvation of the world. But here's the amazing thing about Joseph now. He is the head man. But it wasn't his brothers that would strip him. No, no, no. It wouldn't be Potiphar's wife that would strip him of his robe. It wouldn't be a fellow prisoner that would keep him from getting out and strip him of his robe. But his robe would be stripped one more time by the ultimate enemy that all of us face. The enemy of death would strip him of that robe. Oh, but you got to remember, man gave him that robe. 
but God has given him another robe. Because the moment that Joseph died, you know what he got? He got a robe of righteousness by the Lord God himself. And when he got that robe, that robe would not be taken away. I I want you to hear me. We're all putting on robes in this world, robes of success, robes of things, but those robes will be stripped from you. But we're ultimately, as a follower of Jesus Christ, looking for that day when we're going to hear God say, well done, you good and faithful servant. And we get a robe of righteousness that cannot be taken away. Because when Joseph got that one, it would never be taken away. We're not living for the now. We're living for the then and there. We're living for him to put that robe of righteousness on us that cannot be taken away ever again. What are you living for? And are you doing the right things? I want you to stand to your feet. Put everything down for just a moment and hold your hands out, please. Just hold them out. For some listening to me right now, you need to make the decision to follow Jesus and make him Lord of your life. That's the right thing to do. And then when you do, the right thing to do next is water baptism. And then begin... Give yourself to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some of you are struggling through difficult times and you're devastated. You got to realize that it's not about that coat on the outside. It's just a symbol. That coat on the outside does not give you your significance. It's about Jesus in you that gives you everything you need for life and godliness. Amen. I want to pray over you. If you need Christ as your Lord and Savior, receive him as your Lord and Savior and follow after him and obey him. But for every one of us, our prayer team is going to come available in all locations. We want to pray with you. Keep obeying God. Success is found in obeying Jesus. Let's pray. Father, God in heaven, we ask you to do your thing right now. Those that are far from you, save as they call upon you. God, those that right now are struggling with the right thing to do, God, I pray that they will just obey you and do what they know you would ask them to do, trusting you with the results, trusting you, because you're the only one that gives us our significance. You're the only one that can put that final robe of righteousness on us. I pray this in your name be it done. The name of Jesus. Amen.